Hello, I'm Zev Newworth, and welcome to Creating a New Healthcare, a podcast series for healthcare leaders who are interested in fresh perspectives, new ideas, and bold solutions on how to advance the creation of a customer-oriented value-based system of health. The views I express on this podcast are solely my own and do not represent the views of any other person or organization. Folks, uh, this is the last podcast episode for 2019. It's the end of the year, the end of a decade, and therefore the beginning of a new year and a beginning of a new decade. As we did last year, we're going to do something different this last episode, two major differences. Instead of the regular podcast interview, I'm going to respond to a few questions. Uh, these are questions I receive from listeners and uh, from folks in uh, the audiences that I speak to. And the second difference is this, although I'm going to ask the questions of myself here, the answer is a bit unscripted. So it's unfiltered, a little off the cuff, uh, playful, maybe a little punchy, and uh, depends how I feel, but maybe even a wee bit provocative this morning. I'd love, love, love to hear your feedback. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Let me know if you like this format or not. I won't take it personally, but it would be helpful. Before we jump into the first question, though, let me just take a moment just to share my gratitude at this end of this year, 2019. First of all, I want to thank you all uh, for allowing me to do this, for supporting me. We currently have over 8,000 subscribers. This podcast series has been downloaded just this year. In 2019, it's been downloaded 130,000 times. That's a 30% increase over last year. We had 5,000 or so subscribers last year. We're close to 8,000. Uh, it jumps up and down around 8,000. And so again, can't thank you enough. I really, truly appreciate also the feedback when you all email or uh, message me on LinkedIn or Twitter or any sort of communication. It's just so, so helpful. It means so much to me to hear how inspired you are by the guests we have on this podcast series and what you all are doing with it. Because I know that some of you are actually taking this and making some changes at your organization. So again, can't thank you enough. Of course, I'll say a bit more about the guests towards the end of this podcast, but I just want to thank our guests. They're amazing people. And it is one of the greatest privileges of my entire career to be able to do these really in-depth interviews, to understand these folks, not just what they're doing, but who they are as people, which is so much a part of this. And um, of course, I want to thank the folks who help me every week with uh, the podcast, uh, my audio engineer, Jeremy Core, and uh, my social media team, SMS, uh, Lisa Gualtieri, uh, Jessica Greenwood, and Sandra Rosenbluth. And of course, I want to thank my family for allowing me to spend my weekends and evenings working on this podcast and the writing that I do and the other speaking uh, that I do as well. So just want to, just again, just want to take a moment to express my gratitude uh, to you all. Okay, let's jump into the questions. The first question is this, what's going on in healthcare? What are the major factors and forces in the environment? Okay. Let me start by saying that I'm not a futurist, and these are not predictions. I am not making predictions. This is reality, okay? I've spent years studying the realities of healthcare, uh, these in-depth interviews, looking at the momentum. And again, lots of ways to look at this, but I'm going to give you in a very, very brief moment um, some of the big, big movers and shakers. And let me just list them, okay? First of all, employers, okay? The sleeping giants of healthcare, a major, major force I can't say enough about it. You know, if last year, 2018, was the year of disruption, this is the year of transformation. You know, we talk a lot about disruption. Disruption is just an outcome. It's a byproduct. What's actually happening is employers, corporate America, uh, the tech industry, the insurance industry, these industries are transforming themselves from uh, what they used to be, which was to a certain extent, they were angry customers of healthcare because they do pay. Corporate America pays for nearly half of all the medical bills in this country, by the way. But they shifted, they transformed 
into hangry competitors. They're still angry, but they are hungry. They're hungry for our customers, for our patients. And let me give you an example of that. Walmart, again, Walmart started out as a customer, healthcare, then they said, hey, you know what? We think we could do this a little better. They started to introduce, along with Lowe's and lots of other large corporations, national corporations, started to introduce centers of excellence. I would venture to say most people don't even understand what that means. I'll tell you in short, what it means is not just that you do excellent procedures like heart surgery or total hip replacements or spine surgery. It's not just that you do that exceptionally well. It's that you don't do unnecessary surgeries and procedures. And there's a lot to be said about that, a lot of statistics. What Walmart discovered was somewhere between 25 to 50% of most of the procedures, most of the surgeries their employees were going for were unnecessary. That is when you looked at the evidence and you talked to the experts, you didn't need to actually go through those procedures. A couple of years ago, they saved $1 billion in their own employee healthcare costs out of $4 billion. And that's again, just within their own four walls. And now, the employers have really begun to take their uh, healthcare into their own hands. They're offering healthcare navigators. Again, they, employers, are offering this to their employees, healthcare navigators, financial assistants. They're setting up preferred provider networks for their employees. Again, they're seeing much better outcomes, much more convenience, much more customer service in terms of healthcare customer service for their employees. Uh, they're offering telemedicine, uh, home visits, all of this is happening, folks. It's happening this year. It's already happened, and it's just going to continue to grow and grow and grow. But the real transformation is that they've really turned into these hangry competitors. They are now beginning to take what they've learned in healthcare and beginning to offer it to other corporate customers as well as direct-to-consumer. I think there are many, many examples of this. Walmart, again, is just such a brilliant example of this. They opened up their first primary care clinic this year in Georgia. They're offering not just primary care, they're offering dental care, eye care, they're offering behavioral health care at an amazingly low cost, low, low price to their customers. They're offering these mobile units now with specialty care, and they're going to be situated in their superstores, but they're also going to go out to all their other stores as well. I have to tell you, watch this. Um, this is going to be something to behold. It is going to, along with these other changes I'm going to mention, uh, really going to change the face of healthcare delivery in our country. Amazon, again, an another example. We haven't heard a lot from Haven, the company that Amazon formed, uh, the partnership to really change employee health. But I think we're going to hear more about uh, from them this year. But they also have begun to offer their employees uh, primary care. They've made some acquisitions with Health Navigator, working with Oasis Medical. They're offering their employees telemedicine visits. They're offering them home visits. They're offering them health navigation. Uh, I believe they started to also refer their employees to preferred providers. These are providers that deliver high quality, low cost care. And so we're going to start to see, again, Walmart, Amazon, turning from these corporate customers of healthcare to really being very, very highly competitive in the healthcare market. Apple, again, another major competitor or collaborator, depending on how you, you want to look at it in the healthcare market. Google, which made, of course, their acquisition of Fitbit. And again, working with lots of lots of healthcare systems, looking at data and data analytics. Again, so just tremendous change in the market with employers, with the tech sector. Now, talk about transformers or shapeshifters. Let's move to the insurance sector. And what you have to understand here, and uh, there was a great, great quote from uh, an executive at Humana who said, you know, we used to be insurance companies and we did a little bit of uh, healthcare providing, but that's changed. We're now healthcare providers with some insurance, okay? 
That's a statement. And it was made this year. And you're seeing that with all of the insurance companies in healthcare. I mean, for instance, Aetna, of course, joined with CVS to form CVS Health. I'll say more about that in a moment. Humana, of course, doing, again, telemedicine, uh, offering healthcare navigation, really moving into a highly innovative space. They are becoming and, and want to take on the role of the preferred provider for seniors in our country. Uh, at least that's the way I see it. Cigna, again, making some moves. The Blues uh, are going to be offering uh, this year. They've already begun this, but again, the same sort of um, setting up preferred provider networks, setting up uh, these centers of excellence, these networks. So you're going to see, uh, see them playing a very, very different role in healthcare delivery. Uh, Optum, United Health Group, again, hard to, to really explain this in a short order. I wrote about this at length in my book on reframing healthcare. But you know, here you have a company that is the largest medical provider in the country. They have more doctors than any other group in the country. I think they actually surpassed Kaiser at this point. They have an insurance company. They have a data analytics company. And they have a PBM, a pharmacy benefits manager. So this is just a transformational organization. Talk about vertical integration. I mean, the capabilities, the tech stack that they have, the value stack that they have. Again, just a great, great example of the shape-shifting, of the transformation. And in my book, I talk about this. They're no longer staying in their swim lane, okay? If you think insurance companies are insurance companies in healthcare, you are totally mistaken. They've made that shift and it's already happened. They're just going to build on it. So we're going to see tremendous things, not only from the tech sector, from the retail sector, from the insurance sector. Digital health, of course, is we are just at the beginning of that era and that revolution. You know, talk about Cigna Express. Uh, they just opened up a whole digital formulary. I think they have 15 digital health companies now, everything from asthma to behavioral health to diabetes. And again, you're just beginning to see the era of the digital health revolution. Again, we are in the era of consumerism. People are looking for convenience, low cost, transparency, navigation. And you're going to see that force really, really emerging more and more, you know, and it's happened so quickly. If you mentioned consumerism in healthcare two or three years ago, I will share this with you. You get booed out of the audience. At this point, the C-suite wants to know, how do we actually compete in a consumer-oriented healthcare market? And they're spot on. You need to, or you won't be around. You will not be relevant in the future of healthcare. Another major force is data and data analytics. There are lots and lots of books and articles written about this, AI, artificial intelligence, machine learning, uh, predictive analytics. This is not a new topic, by the way. For those of you who remember the book Moneyball, uh, we're talking about Moneyball medicine. And it's a wonderful, wonderful thing when you can take data and predict, you know, or at least uh, make a, a risk assessment of who's going to need healthcare, when they're going to need it, how they're going to need it, how they want it, what's the best way to deliver it to them. You're going to see just tremendous, tremendous changes this coming year. It's already happened. So so I just want to speak to that. Another big force, of course, is the demographics in our country, the aging of our country. Uh, obesity, of course, is a major issue. Behavioral health, which I'll mention in a moment. But I think it is a major force already, and it's going to be more so in the coming year. One more thing. I did not uh, mention CVS Health. This is going to be another major force. If you want to see where healthcare is going, just follow CVS Health along with the others I mentioned. CVS Health, of course, opened up this year their health hubs where they are offering primary care, preventive care, preventive screenings. Uh, they're offering healthcare navigation. And you know they're saying they're going to open up 1,500 of these health hubs. It's going to be a really an amazing, amazing thing to watch. They're going to be able to iterate so profoundly over the next few years and really 
rapidly, rapidly innovate their model of care. So I would really watch them closely. They're going to be doing some interesting things. Of course, just like Walmart, their business model is, you know, you come in, you get the care, but also they will be able to deliver care bundles to you, whether it's uh, the pharmaceuticals, uh, the medications that they can sell and or the durable medical products or just the other ancillary retail products that they can sell. For instance, CVS Health does sleep medicine now. And of course, they will sell you the sleep medicine kits. And so again, it's a really, really robust model that they have in place, a business model. And it's great for customers. It's great for patients. It's fantastic for communities. It just makes so much sense. So I think, again, watch Walmart, watch Amazon, watch CVS Health, look at the insurance companies. This is all about the transformation. This is about the digital health. This is about consumerism. It's about data and data analytics and those data platforms that are being built. And finally, again, I think a major force will be some of the the demographic changes in our country, uh, particularly, I mean, think about this, this coming year, 2020, uh, the baby boomers are turning 75, uh, hard to believe. By 2030, uh, over 20% of the population will be over 65. So again, major, major changes in the demographics, which will have a big impact on healthcare. Okay, next question. What are some of the disappointments this year and some of the hopes? And I'll be brief about this. Huge disappointments. Number one, the social determinants of health. So we have tremendous, tremendous disparities in healthcare in our country. It's actually, it's worrisome. It's potentially frightening. And it's, it's just wrong. Again, this idea that the difference between zip codes in terms of your life expectancy can be, can be 20 years. And by social determinants of health, we're talking about uh, having a job. We're talking about, uh, you know, your salary. Uh, we're talking about housing, safety, we're talking about education, we're talking about transportation, we're talking about food security. Uh, this is what we're talking about, social determinants of health. This is so well known now that these are the factors that determine the vast majority of our health outcomes as well as our health costs. A lot of lip service, I would say there's a lot of good work going on. I just wish that it was moving faster and bigger. I just think there's tremendous opportunity. Very, very hopeful though, because people are recognizing how important this is someone's got to do something about this in a different way. And again, if you listen to my interviews, you see some of these organizations across the country actually really getting into this in a big way. A major issue and a major disappointment and concern, of course, is the cost of healthcare. For the second year in a row now, the number of uninsured people in America has increased. Second year in a row, it is a bad trend. Uh, we currently have, it depends on the numbers you look at, the numbers I saw, we currently have close to 30 million uninsured people and that number is increasing uh, at this moment in time. If you look at the uninsured and the underinsured, you're talking about double that. So it could be something like 60 to 70 million Americans, at least those are the numbers I see. It's something like one out of five Americans really have to worry about the cost of healthcare, either because they don't have insurance or they don't have enough insurance. And these numbers are really, really uh, concerning. You know, this is one statistic I've read and seen over and over again, that over half of Americans, if they had a medical bill of $500 or more, it would bankrupt them, okay? Uh, the Commonwealth Fund did a great, great study last year, which showed some just startling results, where they showed that it just took one hospitalization or one medical condition and one out of three people experience one hospitalization or one medical condition would use up all of their savings or almost all of their savings. One out of three Americans. And again, that was the Commonwealth Fund. That was a study they published in 2018. Uh, one out of 20, and this is people with insurance, one out of 20 with one hospitalization or one medical condition would actually go bankrupt. Uh, so again, you know, 
really, really disappointing that that's the direction the country is heading in. Uh, that's the direction healthcare is heading in. But I am incredibly hopeful this is increasingly being recognized, increasingly being talked about, written about, and a lot more is, I think, going to be done about it. The other, of course, concerning thing is behavioral health. If you're not familiar with these statistics, uh, the last number I saw was in 2017, there were over 40,000 uh, suicides in this country, and that number is increasing. Over 70,000 people died from substance abuse. These are really, really concerning numbers, and they're actually increasing. Uh, the rate of suicide in teens is doubling and tripling over the last 10 years. This is a really serious trend. And again, just pointing this out because I think there's a lot of need for attention and it's a great opportunity to really make a positive difference. Next question. What are some of the uh, highlights from the podcast series? So I will tell you that I am very, very selective about the guests that I invite. I have posted 76 episodes. I will tell you that at this point, I've interviewed over 130 uh, guests, which uh, means that nearly half of the people I interview don't make it to the podcast series. So the people I post and, and share with you are just superstars. If you asked me to name two or three that if you haven't listened to, you must, I would say, and again, from my, my perspective, all of them are must listens to, but here's what I would say. Number 68 from this past June with Stephen Clasco, he's the CEO of Jefferson Health. If you haven't listened to him or you haven't heard this podcast, you must. He is just doing amazing, amazing things in healthcare. Just as an example, he's actually brought a school of design into his medical center. So he's training doctors and other staff to literally know how to be design thinkers. It, it's just brilliant. I can't say enough about how he's really reimagining and reframing healthcare. Episode number 69, that was, I think, in the end of August or beginning of September, this was a discussion uh, with Eric Topol. Dr. Topol is seriously one of the greatest minds of healthcare of our times. And he's written a number of books. We talked about his last book, uh, Deep Medicine, How Artificial Intelligence Can Make Healthcare Human Again. You have to listen to this. It was a short interview, about 30 minutes or so. And he talks about how artificial intelligence and digital health can actually rehumanize healthcare. It's just such a great perspective. I learned so much from listening to him. I would say episode number 72. Again, another must too. This was uh, called A New Era in Consumer-Centric Healthcare with Dr. Jennifer Schneider from Livongo. What she shares with us is really an explanation of how healthcare has literally inverted itself. I can't go into details, but it is just so profound and such an important understanding of the inflection, the reframing of healthcare delivery. Another one which I would say is a, a must-listen to, God, there's so many, Dr. David Berman from Slingshot Health, just such a, an amazing human being. I just can't say enough. Colin Hung talking about social media. The one we just recorded, the most recent one, number 75, uh, with Megan Callahan from Lyft. That's right, the car transportation company, Lyft. She's the VP of healthcare there. Again, and she talks about the social determinants of health. She talks about these transportation deserts. It kind of breaks your heart when you hear this and you listen to the statistics. But what's wonderful about it is she talks about how Lyft and others are really turning these transportation deserts. And these are in our inner cities. These are our suburbs. These are our rural areas. They're turning them from deserts into oases. And um, really just inspiring talk. Learn so much. So those are just a few of the highlights that if you haven't listened to them, especially over the holiday season, these are must-to episodes. Uh, final question, which I get a lot, is, you know, why are you doing this podcast and what are you hoping for? 
And you just published a book this year. And what's that about? And, and what are you hoping for with that as well? And where, where is it going? I hope you don't mind putting this out there. It does feel a little self-promotional, but it's such a big part of my life. It's such a big part of this podcast series that it's, it's hard not to speak to it. So first of all, the podcast series actually came out of the writing of the book. I was doing these interviews. I was recording them and transcribing them and studying them. I've been doing that for a bunch of months, if not years, actually. And people kept on asking me if I could share these interviews that I was doing. And, and that essentially is how the podcast became. So it really is me just opening up what I was going to be doing anyway and putting into my writing and my speaking and just sharing these interviews with you all. And that really is it. And of course, it is uh, my goal is to inform, inspire, but ultimately it is really to catalyze change. If we're not going to do something with this, I'm not sure what we're doing. I am about that. I wrote a book this year, so unbelievably grateful uh, that it was published in April of this year in 2019. It's called Reframing Healthcare. And in this book, I really talk about what's going on in healthcare. So I just gave you a little bit of a snippet of that, of course, in this podcast episode. But I talk about the major forces that most people really don't see and don't understand uh, what's happening in healthcare. But I also talk about a reframe roadmap. That is, there are seven steps I've seen uh, successful organizations take over and over and over again. Now, if you don't follow these seven steps, you may make some change and some improvements and you may innovate, no question about that, but you will not be transformational. You just won't. And so I wrote these seven steps down, the reframe roadmap, put it in a book. I explained the steps. I demonstrated how organizations like Amazon, like Walmart, like renowned healthcare, which is a hospital system in Nevada, Tony Slonim, the CEO, is just an amazing person. By the way, that episode was an amazing episode as well. Uh, talk about uh, uh, Geisinger, talking about Intermountain, talking about Providence, talk about how legacy healthcare organizations, as well as the new entrants and the new transforming organizations, how they are transforming healthcare. They're doing it because they actually are following all the seven steps of the reframe roadmap. And again, my point in writing the book was not just to inform, it was to actually provide a tool that leaders can use if they are interested in really creating a new healthcare, if they are interested in humanizing healthcare, if they're interested in making healthcare more empathetic, more respectful, safer, higher quality, more convenient, and more affordable. That's why I wrote the book. I've begun uh, speaking about it, uh, get invited to a lot of uh, board retreats. And, you know, again, one of the privileges of my career, I just learned so much as I talk to these uh, folks who are leading healthcare across the country. And that's what I'm going to continue to do. I'm going to continue to help uh, organizations and leaders really transform healthcare, really reframe it. That's why I'm doing this podcast. And that's why I wrote the book. And that's why I'm going to just continue to do this as I've been doing it and hopefully really catalyze some actual change in healthcare. So I'm going to sign off right now. Before I do, and before I end this podcast, I, I do want to share, you know, one of the questions I do ask my guests is, what was the best piece of advice or best comment you've heard, uh, you received or have heard? I want to end with this, and it's very consistent with the podcast and with the book I wrote. I was listening to Tom Friedman, who's a New York Times journalist, and uh, he wrote a book recently, Thank You for Being Late. It's really about the acceleration of technology and information and data, just the speed in our society, how it's changing. And he talks about this fact, and he didn't make this concept up. He got this from a professor. I think the professor's name is Lynn Walls. And 
what the professor said was, it used to be that you could really succeed if you were really good at inbox thinking. If you had a certain way of thinking and doing things, you could be successful. Then it changed and you had to actually have out of the box thinking, right? And we all remember that for years, people were talking about, you know, we need out of the box thinking. And that was the recipe for success. Inbox thinking and out of the box thinking is no longer sufficient. We really need to get to a place where there's no box thinking. And I thought that statement was profound. I heard it again from Tom Friedman, the noted award-winning journalist and author. As I heard that comment and read about it in his most recent book, it made me think that the real, real key here is diversity. We need diversity, diversity of people, diversity of perspective, diversity of thinking, diversity of action. I really think that is a profound, profound insight. It is, by the way, part of the Reframe Roadmap I wrote about, but it's really, really interesting. For me, that was the most profound statement I heard in in the last few months this year. Um, I'll share one last one with you as well. For those of you who remember Mr. Rogers, he's making a comeback this year. And Mr. Rogers had a quote, which I really, really love. I've not heard until this month. And he said, you know, what are the three ways to be a really successful person? And the first way, Mr. Rogers said, is to be kind to others. The second way is to be kind to others. And the third way is to be kind to others. Folks, as always, I will end this podcast series by thanking those of you out there who take care of patients each and every day. And those of you who are supporting those who are taking care of patients, you're doing the hard work. We recognize you for it. We appreciate you for it. Just can't say enough about it. Taking care of individuals, families, uh, communities, so, so important. Can't thank you enough. Can't recognize you enough for this work. I do wish you all a happy holiday season and a very, very happy and healthy new year. This is Zev Neuwirth on Creating a New Healthcare. Until next year, be well.